The FF Live Podcast, presented by Fantasy Football Live. Welcome to episode number nine of the FF Live Podcast. Presented by Fantasy Football Live. Today's Wednesday, August 29th. I'm Ben Schrager, and as always, I'm here with Jeff Lorenz. Jeff, eight days until the NFL season. Can you guys feel it? We have regular season football one week away. Eagles, Falcons, next Thursday night. We got a busy show today, so let's get right to it. Sooner rather than later, we're going to be talking about real NFL games. We're not going to be doing the preseason stuff, but today we're going to have to talk about the preseason We'll start with a little preseason recap. As we all know, Adrian Peterson is back. We're going to then talk some training camp kick it or stick it, as we love to do. Our man Josh Gordon is going to be brought up a lot. And we'll finish off with a mailbag, and that includes a really cool question about Ezekiel Elliott or David Johnson. We're going to start off with a preseason recap. As we noted at the top of the show, Adrian Peterson is back. He looked really good. He had 11 carries for 56 yards. That's over five yards a carry. He got all the starting reps. Jeff, what would you think of AP? Peterson came in with the starting unit, and he looked really good. I think he has a stronghold on the number one running back position in Washington, and he even said that he could have had another 15 carries. Yes, I get he's 33 years old. Yes, I get he's been derailed by injuries the last two years. But whenever Adrian Peterson, one of the best running backs of all time, says something like that, that has to make your blood rush. We talk about opportunity, and that's exactly what Peterson has. He came in and straight up outplayed Rob Kelly, who had just eight carries for 19 yards, and he was playing with the backups. Samaj so P. Ron, of course, is sidelined with an injury. This is Adrian Peterson's job to lose, which is crazy considering he came in just less than a week ago. Yeah, I don't see how you could pass on him in the 10th round, which is where he's going now. And Adrian Peterson is not going to be a three-down back. But, however, Chris Thompson is still not healthy and said he probably won't be 100% by the start of the year. Take it, take that as you want. I still like Chris Thompson in the passing game. But AP is going to be a first and second down back in this offense. And he could provide some dividends if they're up big in a game or he scores a touchdown or two. Don't wait until the 10th round to draft AP. Our next preseason headline comes from Carolina, where Christian McCaffrey had 14 touches in the last preseason game and averaged over four yards per touch. He's looking really good. What's your take on McCaffrey, Ben? So originally I was pretty down on McCaffrey for the year because I believed in C.J. Anderson, but this whole preseason has shown the Panthers don't care about C.J. Anderson at this point. He's been playing mostly in the second half of preseason games. We know who plays in the second half of preseason games. McCaffrey is going to get a ton of touches. Like the coaching staff had alluded to earlier, I love McCaffrey as a second-round running back. I think he could easily be your RB1. I just don't know, do I like him more than Dalvin Cook and Jordan Howard? What do you think? So it was said early on in the preseason that McCaffrey would be given 25 to 30 touches per game. And while that was lofty, it's starting to look like somewhat of a reality. There's preseason proof now that he is the workhorse for this team. Look at the 59 out of the 66 snaps he's had with the first-team offense versus the 7 out of 66 that C.J. Anderson has had. He also played every single red zone snap. So McCaffrey is the workhorse for this team. There's no question about it. And I'm drafting him as a top 10, top 12 running back this year, ahead of Jordan Howard and in the same range as Dalvin Cook. The difference between him and Jordan Howard is that 
Howard, they're saying all offseason that he's going to be involved in the pass game, but we don't know if he can do it. And Dalvin Cook, we know he can do it. We just don't know early on in the season how much of a workload he'll have. I still prefer Dalvin Cook because I think he has a better chance of finishing in the top five. But I love McCaffrey, and I, I would not complain if you drafted McCaffrey over Dalvin Cook or Jordan Howard. So next, we saw the confirmed starters Peyton Barber in Tampa Bay and Chris Carson in Seattle continued to shine. Jeff, do you believe in these guys as full-season fantasy-relevant options? I keep telling myself that this is the week that these guys are going to falter, and they keep on proving me wrong. Peyton Barber has had 5.4 yards per carry with, as the Bucks starter this preseason, and Chris Carson has had a modest 4.3 yards per carry in Seattle. And the thing about this is they're completely outperforming their competition for the starting job. Ronald Jones on the Bucks has had just one yards per carry, and he's been playing with backups. And of course, Rashad Penny is injured. So for now, these guys are RB1s heading into the season, and it's time to start treating them that way. Yeah, I don't see how you can wait and be drafting in the sixth round and not pick Chris Carson. And you're in the seventh round. This is after you've already filled out your starting running backs, starting wide receivers, and you don't pick Peyton Barber. That's crazy to me. You should pick Chris Carson in the sixth, Peyton Barber in the seventh, and then start thinking about quarterbacks. That's an ideal draft strategy. These guys are starters. They Honestly, I had no hope in Peyton Barber, and he's showed to me that he's improved this offseason. He's lost a ton of weight, more athletic. I think he could be the guy in Tampa Bay. Now let's get to some unfortunate news from Jacksonville, where Marquise Lee went down with a season-ending injury. He's been placed on IR. So, Ben, what's left of this Jacksonville receiving core? So it's going to be led by Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook, and Dante Moncrief. And honestly, there's no telling who will be the lead guy. But I love Keelan Cole of the group. They're all not being drafted. But I think Keelan Cole is a guy you want to take a stab at. He had 17.8 yards per catch last year. That's unbelievable. And he provides the most upside of any of the Jags wide receivers. What do you think? I truly believe that Keelan Cole is the biggest beneficiary of this injury news. People forget that he was number two out of wide receivers in fantasy points over the last five weeks of the season as a rookie, and he's heading into his second year. He's got a year of experience under his belt. He was going to be a starter before the Lee injury. Now he moves into the number one slot on that team. He's going to be a huge sleeper heading into this year and a guy that you need to pick up in late rounds of drafts. Yeah, I really love Cole as a sleeper. Now, I don't think he'll be a top 30 wide receiver right off the bat, but I do think he's worth adding on your team, and he will be a flex guy you can start from week to week and maybe has a couple of hot weeks in the beginning has some rapport with Blake Bortles, and becomes an every-week starter at the flex spot. Keelan Cole, take him in the last couple of rounds, maybe even a little higher. He's one of our favorite deep, deep sleepers this year. Kick it or stick it. Now we're moving on to everyone's favorite segment, training camp, kick it or stick it. First headline, as we've talked about a lot, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck's fastball is not where it needs to be right now. Jeff, are you kicking or sticking that headline? I am kicking this. Luck has shown absolutely no signs of being limited in camp or in the preseason games that he's played. He's even taken four sacks and bounced back without a problem. Yes, he's averaging 6.4 yards per completion, which is slightly below his career average of 7.2, but come on, you can't be concerned about this. In week three of preseason, which is supposed to be the dress rehearsal, he was accurate. He was 8 of 10 and had a touchdown. He's ready to go. Yes, we still have some questions about Luck, 
especially his deep ball. The longest throw we saw was only 19 yards, and it was a catch and run to Chester Rogers. And the other question is, can he play four quarters for 16 weeks? But the answer to that is only time will tell. But for now, I'm not concerned with luck. See, I'm, I'm going to stick this one. You're making some good points, but I still think he's too risky. And this reminds me all too much of Carson Palmer back in 2009 when people were saying he's coming off elbow surgery, he's struggling with velocity, but, you know, he'll be ready to go. And he was ready to go. He played in 2009, but he turned in his worst year of his career because he didn't have this velocity. I think the velocity is important. And I think what you noted in the preseason, Luck will be able to hit his targets. I just don't know if he's going to be able to hit T.Y. Hilton for that 40-yard pass that he would do or I also don't know if he's going to have all these rushing touchdowns that he normally does because I don't know if he's going to be as ballsy as durable in the red zone as he as he was before injury I think Andrew Luck right now is too pricey for me I don't like him in the eighth round I think if you get him in the eighth you better follow him up with another guy in the 10th and in the eighth round is where you're going to get a guy who has a lot of upside in terms of running back wide receiver Peyton Barber might even slip there I, I like Andrew Luck in general the idea of Andrew Luck but Andrew Luck this year, I think, is a little too risky, and this fastball thing is kind of kind of scaring me. It's almost as if Andrew Luck has been underrated for so long, and people have been saying it, to the point where he's now being overrated and overdrafted, if that makes any sense. He's now being drafted in the eighth round. The cat's out of the bag. He's no longer a sleeper. Yeah, you've seen Luck's stock rise tremendously this offseason at a time where I was happy drafting him in the 10th round and the 11th round, and now he's creeping up to the 8th. Let me sit back, draft Philip Rivers late, and then Mahomes late for the upside, and I'm very content there. I don't want Andrew Luck with his current price tag. Our next kick it or stick it is that Rashard Matthews, the wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans, has come off of PUP, and he has returned as the Titans' number one receiver. Are you buying this, Ben? Is he still the number one? I'm kicking this. He may be on paper their number one, but Corey Davis will be their best wide receiver this year, and... In terms of draft value, sure, I'll take Rashard Matthews in the 14th round because he'll contribute, but I think this is Corey Davis's year. I think this is his breakout year, and honestly, Corey Davis and Delaney Walkler will be pretty much all that Marcus Mariota can support this year, in my opinion, and Rashard Matthews has been good the past couple of years as the top guy for the Titans. He hasn't been anything special in fantasy. I don't have any interest in him. This undisclosed recent injury complete mystery we really didn't know what was going on that scares me but like I said his price is so cheap I'm fine with rostering the guy but I don't like him as the number one what do you think I'm gonna stick this headline I think he makes some really valid points and I do expect Corey Davis to improve upon the 375 yards that he had last year but I also expect Marcus Mariota to improve as we all know he had more interceptions than touchdowns last year so I think these factors should cancel each other out and it even could end up being a positive for Matthews who over the past two years has had almost 1800 yards and 13 touchdowns he's the only veteran of the bunch I think he comes back and retains his position as the team number one receiver yeah I think Matthews will keep providing that deep ball maybe a 30-yard touchdown here and there but they did add Deion Lewis this offseason Taiwan Taylor is looking really good in camp I think there's going to be too many mouths to feed and I don't believe in the Mariota big season as much as you do and our final training camp headline is that finally Josh Gordon is activated We've seen him on hard knocks. Jeff, what do you think of Josh Borden being activated? Do you think he is a top 15 wide receiver? 
I'm kicking this. It's hard to believe that the last time Gordon has had more than 335 yards was in 2013, over five years ago. Although it doesn't look like the Browns are going to sign Des Bryant, I would rather have Jarvis Landry. He's been a model of consistency with 4,000 yards over his first four seasons in the NFL. Although it initially looked like there would be way more competition for targets for Landry, He's now shown that he's the main guy in that offense. He's had 10 targets in week three of the preseason in just a half of play. So he's the guy to own, not necessarily Gordon. Okay, I agree that Landry is going to be good and probably will have the most fantasy points of the offense and will be the focal point of the offense. I don't think either of them are going to be top 20 this year. I think Josh Gordon, he honestly may not be 100% until week three or four. There's this hamstring injury he's dealing with. Hugh Jackson just recently said he won't start week one. That scares me with Josh Gordon, and I do think with Josh Gordon there and Njoku breaking out, Landry won't be top 20. In PPR, I think he'll definitely be top 20, top 15, but in a standard league, I think they both finish outside the top 20, which is not something we were ever talking about two months ago when we thought Josh Gordon would be 100% week one. Fantasy mailbag. So we're going to finish off with our mailbag. The first question came from Twitter, at FFootballLive. Tom Slaughter tweeted at us, in a standard league, do you guys like Zeke Elliott or David Johnson better? Oh, you really can't go wrong here. Both these guys are top four running backs. But if I had to make a decision, I would go with David Johnson just because of how he's a legitimate candidate to have 2,000 yards this year and how he does it on the ground and as a receiver. Everyone remembers the 2016 season in which he had 20 touchdowns and 373 touches to lead the league. Now that he's back to 100%, it really wouldn't surprise me to see him do this again this year. Zeke Elliott, on the other hand, is likely to get a similar number of touches to David Johnson. He had 354 touches of his own in 2016 but most of his are going to come on the ground and there's some question marks with that offensive line with Travis Frederick out with that autoimmune disease with no timetable for return and also Zach Martin down with an injury and they don't have much help around him their best receivers Cole Beasley Alan Hearns Terrence Williams he's going to see a lot of loaded boxes week in and week out and it might affect his production I'm taking David Johnson as well I think first of all this question pretty much sums up our argument that the number four spot is the best spot to draft from this year because I think they both, Seek and David Johnson, both could be the number one overall player this year. And that's why you love the four spot. But I'll take David Johnson. My biggest thing with him is that, first of all, he he doesn't have an injury risk. This wrist injury is not going to be a recurring thing. It's not something that'll be nagging. And he is the primary touchdown threat in the offense. He's the primary pass-catching threat outside of a Larry Fitzgerald slot route, and that's all they have. And you talk about the Cowboys not having receivers. The Cardinals only have Larry Fitzgerald, and David Johnson doesn't have any off-the-field concerns. Zeke does. You talked about Zeke's poor O-line. Zeke, at the end of the day, won't catch as many passes. I think we're nitpicking here with these little things, but I do love David Johnson. You tell me the last time someone scored 21.6 fantasy points a game. And that, that was David Johnson in 2016, and it hadn't happened in 11 years. So David Johnson, I think, provides a little more upside. I love having a guy who's more involved in the passing game. But like you said, I'll take either one. Our next question comes from Mike Hubble 7 Should I stick with Joe Mixon or be worried? The thing with Joe Mixon is that he's coming off the boards in the end of the second round. And so if Joe Mixon is your number one running back, maybe be a little worried but I like Joe Mixon this year while people thought he was inefficient last year he averaged 4.3 yards a carry when starting last year he has a potential 
to have pretty much a workhorse bell cow type usage. We saw this preseason. The last two weeks, he got all of the first team snaps. Week three, Gio Bernard didn't even get on the field until the fifth drive. So I think Gio's usage may be a little overblown. I think Mixon may actually have a chance to be a three down back. And at his price, I really like the guy. What do you think? I'm going to disagree with you here. It's not because I don't like Joe Mixon. I just don't like his price. He's coming off boards at 20th overall. That's not the 20th running back. That's 20th overall ahead of guys like Gronk and Keenan Allen. And he had an abysmal 3.5 yards per carry with competition from Bernard. And I don't care what he did when he started. I'm looking at his whole body of work, and it was horrible. Yes, I think he will improve. And yes, I think he will have more of a workload. But I still don't think that warrants taking him in the second round. Our next question is from Christian Palais. Which Redskins wide receiver should I pick? I'm thinking about getting one of them. I think this is a really good question. And I think the answer depends on your league format. In PPR leagues, I'm going with Crowder. I think he's going to get a lot more receptions than Richardson, and he's going to benefit from the presence of Alex Smith in that offense. He's had 800 yards each of the last two seasons, and you know what you're going to get from this guy. And in standard leagues, I'll go with Richardson for his huge upside. We saw what he did in Seattle last year, 16 yards per catch, and now he enters 2018 on a Redskin team where he's going to be serving as the main deep threat target. He's only in his third year in the NFL, so we don't really know what he is yet. He could really break out this year and pay huge dividends. Obviously, I don't think he's going to have more receptions than Crowder, but I would not be surprised if he ends up with more yards. I lean towards Crowder in both settings solely based on his price. He's going in the 10th round, the 43rd wide receiver off the boards, and I think he's going to be a top 30 wide receiver He's going to mesh really well with Alex Smith, a guy who threw a league low 12% of his throws to tight windows last year, and Crowder averaged 3.2 yards of separation, which was eighth in the NFL. So Crowder's going to get open, and Alex Smith is going to throw to him because he doesn't like throwing to these tight windows. And in the final nine games of 2017, you talk about recency with the Keelan Cole thing, final nine games, Jamison Crowder, wide receiver 18. And again, this was with Kirk Cousins who I don't think is as good of a match as Alex Smith is. I do like Paul Richardson as a guy who maybe we'll be talking about week to week in terms of a guy pick up, throw him in the flex, hope for a big touchdown based on the matchup. But I think Crowder is a guy who could develop into someone who you can rely on week to week to get a high floor play. I don't think he has the upside as you touched on before, but I think Crowder could be a very high floor. What do you think of getting a high floor guy in the 10th round? I got to say you make a good point. Our final question of the day comes from Jeff Douglas. How much money should be saved for bench players in a $200 auction league? Well, thanks for the question, Jeff, because we love doing auction drafts here. We haven't gotten a lot of time to talk about it on the podcast. And for those who don't know, in auction drafts, you usually have a $200 budget. A player gets nominated and you bid on them and you can only use $200 in the whole draft. So allocating your money is really important. To answer your question, I think $15 for your bench is plenty. And here's why. You want to spend big on a superstar early, and you want to spend big on that first superstar nominated. And I don't care if it's $70, you want to get them because it's supply and demand. As we talked about before, the top four guys are really, really similar. Gurley, Bell, Zeke, David Johnson. So you get the first guy nominated, each next one that gets nominated, there's going to be less of a supply, and more of a demand for the guy. So you spend a lot of money on that first player and then load up on guys who you're going to spend 
30, 40 bucks, maybe a couple more guys, and then save little to no money for your bench because you can wait and don't nominate a Peyton Barber till the end and spend $2 on Peyton Barber. What do you think, Jeff? I don't think you could have said it any better than that. I invest 90% of my funds into my starting lineup. I believe that the bench is for sleepers. At the end of the day, bench players don't score points on Sundays. You think bench guys, oh, I want some depth, I want to have some options, and I agree, you want to get ready for injury, you never know what will happen with especially running backs, but you can afford to get guys who we actually like for 2 or $3. Here's the strategy you do. If you have sleepers in mind, and you should have them written down, as we touched on before, Peyton Barber's a guy, Chris Carson's a guy, even DeGio Bernard, Devontae Booker, these, these are running backs that you can get at the end of the rounds, but prepare for this. Do not nominate any sleepers until the end. Wait until everyone's spent their money, nominate a guy who they're probably not thinking of, like a Peyton Barber, like a Devontae Booker, and get him for a dollar. Get him for $2. That's what happens when people aren't thinking about a guy until they don't have any money left. You get him for cheap. That's it for today's show. Remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FFootballLive. We're getting to the NFL season. You're going to start to ask us week-to-week questions. As you know, we are the only big Twitter account who answers every single question on Twitter. Send us those flex questions. Send us which QB do I stream this week. We're there. We're going to respond to every single question. Our next podcast comes out next Wednesday, one day before the regular season. So make sure you get your mailbag questions in, and we'll answer them and get you ready to go for week one. Yeah, we're ready for those. If you're drafting this week, good luck. I hope all this advice we've given you for the draft has helped, and we will see you next Wednesday when football will be about to be officially back.